Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It is Tuesday, March 30th. It's the middle of Holy Week, and we're reading texts related to Christ's passion. And so today's texts, as always, I'll share three with you, and then I will comment on the New Testament one. So the, the three texts for today, Psalm 88, Isaiah 38, 14 through 16, and John 18, 33 to 19, 16. And I'll go ahead, I'll read portions of the text from John. I'll start in John 18, 33, and then I'll jump around. I'll try to guide you as to where I'm going as I, as I read, but... Again, starting in John 18.33. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom's not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not from here. Pilate asked him, So you're a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and striking him on the face. If you go down... Um, a little further, uh, we'll look in verse 10 there. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you or to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You'd have no power over me uh, if it less, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore the one who handed, you over, handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon, and he said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall, we, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. And then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Well, as we find frequently in the book of John, uh, the irony here is thick, isn't it? Um, Jesus is repeatedly being proclaimed king as he is going through an event um, which at first blush does not make him look like a king. Kings don't have to go through this, not at the hands of their own people. So the people are, are, are calling him the king ironically, right? People mean it uh, to deride Jesus, and yet he is being revealed for the king that he is. So as the word is spoken, here's the king. 
uh, his royalty is being confirmed by their actions that they intend to demonstrate, uh, again, ironically. Jesus' silence, Jesus' endurance, and the evil actions of others reveal Jesus to be the king that he is. You know, I, we read this, and I, I think sometimes we, we don't take it seriously in our own lives. What I mean is this, like, we, we acknowledge, you know, if we're, if we're readers of the text, students of the text who want to get this right, we recognize what John is doing, and we're saying that even as Jesus' reputation became less and less on the earth, who he truly was in God's eyes is being established, right? He is the king, and the cross is the place where his kingship is actually most fully revealed, despite the evil intents of others. Yet we can't actually imagine that this would happen in our own lives, right? We are very concerned for our own reputations, and we can't imagine that this is really how the story is written. If we don't have the esteem of others, we begin to feel really, really concerned. Because we, we, you know, it's a nice story, this story from the book of John, but we can't imagine this is how, how it actually works, right? Jesus was shown to be what he was in a moment where no one understood him. And at a moment when his reputation was at, at its absolute lowest point. And each of you who's listening to this is a beloved child of God. That is who you are, right? A person for whom Christ died for whom this all is happening that's how deeply you are loved that while you are still a sinner christ died for you and others around you may or may not recognize that you are a beloved child of god in fact everybody around you will fail to recognize this at some point right even the people that you're very closest to will disappoint you in some way and fail to recognize you for the beautiful beloved child of god that you are and even the closest people to us, uh, to us do that sometimes. But we all have people who fail consistently to recognize this about us. We have people who, for whatever reason, uh, be it them or be it us, fail to see, uh, fail to see just how, um, again, bright, beautiful, and beloved each of us is. So others around you may or may not recognize this. But whether or not you live this out, whether or not you live into your identity as beloved child of God, doesn't depend at all on what others do to you. It doesn't depend at all on whether the people around you recognize you as a beloved child of God. It only depends on you knowing it and following Christ. Does that make sense? And many of us spend a lot of time trying desperately to, to wheedle and cajole love out of other people, thinking that that esteem for our reputations will reassure us that that's who we really are. But in point of fact, this is who we are, <laughs> beloved child of God. And, and if we allow others to dictate whether or not we know this, then we're setting ourselves up for failure. You know, the, the amazing thing is that when we know that we're beloved children of God, beloved sons and daughters of God, then <clears throat> when we are active, we can do things that demonstrate our deep, uh, our belovedness, and we can do things that, like by our actions, draw other people to recognize how much God loves them as well. We can tell other people about him. We can serve him. Um, our whole lives, you know, everything we do can, can demonstrate this for other people, and that's an amazing gift, right? 
But the, the thing that this passage shows us is that even when we are capable of doing nothing on our own, just by knowing that we are God's beloved children and living into that and acknowledging that and continuing to act like that, then even when other people are doing things to us that are unjust, God's love can shine through us. That's what's happening to Jesus here, right? Certainly the Gospel of John paints Jesus as being in control of the action in a way that is it stands in tension with the kinds of things we read in the synoptics, especially in, in Mark. But nonetheless, Jesus is choosing to take a back seat here and not act, right? He's choosing to, to not be, make this a moment where he is the one doing the acting. He is choosing to be acted upon. And because of this, uh, he then is able to show by the actions of others God's great love for the whole world and draw us to himself to say, if you believe that this is the character of God, if you believe in me, says Jesus, right, then you will not die, but you will live. If you accept that this is God's love for you, if this is the character of God's love for you demonstrated in Jesus. And so it's such an amazing passage. It's so eye-opening to realize all of these things we do to sort of take care of ourselves are done in Christ. And Jesus is shown to be who he is, not by all of his actions. I mean, certainly his actions show it, but in the end, it's his faithfulness as he's being acted upon. And each of us, you know, can recognize times in our lives where we're not the ones with the power in the situation, where others are doing to us. And our faithfulness in this situation can reveal who God is and draw other people to himself. God, again, we want this to be true. We want this to be true in our own lives, where we know your deep love for us so well that we don't have to go around and... Um, manipulate situations to, to get taken care of, but instead can acknowledge what's important now is faithfulness, following Christ through whatever little painful realities, crosses that we face. We pray, God, that you will go with us and reassure us of your presence and of your love for us so we can follow you without fear. We ask this through Christ. Amen. All right, wonderful to talk with you again today. Until tomorrow, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.